Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of To The Point Podcast. Hope you guys all had a great weekend. I know I did watching the World Juniors on a Saturday all day and then it pivoted into the NFL action yesterday where pretty much every game had some sort of uh, implication on playoffs. Uh, could have been the last game for certain players uh, with their teams, uh, you know, coaches firing. So a lot happened yesterday on week 17. I expect a lot to a lot to happen today. It's known as Black Monday in the NFL where coaches are getting the pink slip. They are uh, sent packing and then the, the team moves forward with a, with a different head coach and a new philosophy. Um, just, off the, just off the top before I talk about the games, the uh, New York Jets did what we all knew they were going to do. They fired Adam Gase after two seasons. He was 9-23 and 23 as head coach. Obviously, he went 2-14 and 14 this season. And really, you could say he screwed it up because if he went on, if he went, uh, if he went winless, the Jets would have the first pick in the draft. They will have the second pick, which is really intriguing um, to me for a number of reasons. They have Sam Darnold at quarterback. He's been there three years. They have a, they can pick up his fifth year option, which is basically you pick up money, makes about a little over twenty million dollars. So it's not a huge a chunk of change when it comes to. NFL quarterbacks. Um, so they have that decision coming up, uh, GM Joe Douglas. Um, they also have to hire a new head coach. Like I just mentioned, Adam Gase is fired. But um, I think first things first, they need to get a head coach that they trust because you need to include your head coach when it comes to quarterback. I mean, it's the most important position on the team. So before deciding, okay, we want to cut bait with Sam Darnold, we got the second pick. We're going to take Zach Wilson out of BYU or Justin Fields from the Ohio State. You need your head coach to be uh, in line with your thinking. And I don't think the Jets have done this. You know, they've made decisions when they hired Gase. They made decisions before he got there. And I'm not, I'm not defending him. He's a, t- he's a terrible head coach. He's had limited success when he was with Peyton Manning. And, well, who hasn't had success with Peyton Manning when you're coaching them? So he goes to Miami. Ryan Tannehill looks like a flat out disaster. He goes to Tennessee and he's, he's a, he's a franchise quarterback. You can say that Derrick Henry's a beast and he is, and I'll talk about him in this, in this podcast, but Ryan Tannehill is, is a, a functional starting quarterback and he's above average. He's made the playoffs past two years. He's done, you know, you talk about the bigger names in the NFL. I mentioned Matt Stafford and I hate piling on him, but he's a, he's a name. He went first overall in the draft. He's, he's made the playoffs a few times, never won a playoff game. Ryan Tannehill won two playoff games last year, beating Baltimore and New England, and then almost defeating Kansas City. So it's just the, the Jets have to be in line. They have to be in tow and make decisions as a group. It can't just be one person. It can't be – and furthermore, it can't be the owner making decisions because that's never good because the owner buys a team and – Yes, he may know football. I'm not saying he's an idiot, I'm not, but maybe he's an idiot savant because you need football people to make football decisions. And I, off, too often, owners get their nose, put their nose in shit, and it goes bad. For instance, in Washington, Daniel Snyder wanted Dwayne Haskins. Uh, it was reported that scouts were like, we don't know. Like, Daniel, this is not a good idea. He's not our guy. He's not our franchise quarterback. But he was from Washington, from Maryland, you know, the area. So he was like, no, I want to draft the hometown kid. Well, 
less than two years later, the guy's uh, on the street and he's not wearing a Washington football team jersey. So go figure. But, you know, it's just decisions like these. But Darnold, I don't – I think they'll probably move on. But I don't know if I would. I have seen, obviously, Justin Fields played fantastic in the college football semifinal against uh, Clemson, torched them for six touchdowns, throwing for over 400 yards. But that was his first really good game all year against tough competition, which I give him credit for. But he needs to throw a couple of these games in there. And the game against Alabama, I think, will be critical as well just to how scouts view him and um, if the Jets would be willing to move on from Darnold and to take him second overall in the draft. But that – I expect a lot more firings to happen today. Jacksonville's head coach, Doug Marone, likely to be fired. Um, It's rumored that he'll be replaced by former Ohio State head coach, Urban Meyer, who's currently working as an analyst for Fox Sports. Interesting hire. He's always been a great college coach. Never really had success in the NFL, kind of like Nick Saban. I don't know if it's going to work. You know, um, he's going to be drafting a college kid in Trevor Lawrence. So that could translate just having a college player, but you know, a green coming into the NFL, but interesting hire. I'm glad I'll be glad to see urban on the sidelines again. I like him at Fox, but I think he's, I think he's a good head coach. And if he wants to coach, you know, good for him. Um, Another, you know, a couple more spots, you know, Houston, they got Romeo Cornell. They already fired Bill O'Brien. They should move on from, Romeo Cornell, he's 73, he's the oldest coach in the NFL. He's never been, he's never had success as a head coach, always been a great defensive coordinator, but uh, they need to move on. So I expect that they will try to make a push to hire Eric Bieniemy. Um, Detroit already fired Matt Patricia, so they'll be looking for a new head coach. An interesting one out there is Minnesota. They have had Mike Zimmer for six, uh, seven seasons now. And he's had success there, but they missed the playoffs this year. You know, they, they're kind of in a state of flux. Their defense, which is his specialty, was the worst he's ever had as a, head, as a head coach. So I don't know if they will pull the trigger there, but I think it's definitely a possibility and something to look out for. Um, the Eagles, uh, Chris Mortensen of ESPN reported yesterday that uh, the Eagles are going to keep Doug Peterson for next season. Um I'll touch on him more when I talk about the uh, Washington Eagles game last night on Sunday Night Football. But um, a little surprising to me, he's been a disaster this year when it comes to play calling, not really helping. Obviously, they've been uh, ravaged by injuries, but still, he really didn't put Carson Wentz in a position to succeed a lot. And I think his play calling was really below average and his decision making as a coach, you can really question. So a couple, just a couple of names there. There's definitely more than I, that I'm missing right now, but um, just a few teams to keep an eye on throughout the day in the coming days to see uh, what happens here. But to talk about what happened yesterday, obviously an important day. Um, a lot of teams, it was winning you're in. And in the AFC, I'll start there. The it was, biggest game for me was Dolphins at Bills. Dolphins come in knowing if they win the game, that they're in, they're in the playoffs. However, they're playing the Bills, 12-3. and three. The Bills still have something to play for. With a win, they clinch the numbers two seed. That guarantees them two home playoff games uh, if they were to win them. So important for the Bills, Josh Allen starting Stephon Diggs, every normal starter was pretty much in there for 
for the Buffalo Bills. And the Dolphins, they, they know they win their in. They could get some help, but Cleveland was playing Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's underman with sitting Big Ben, having uh, Mason Rudolph under center. So not likely that Cleveland would lose. You got Baltimore playing Cincinnati. I don't need to really explain that one. Uh, Indianapolis playing Jacksonville, the worst team in the NFL. So you, I'm listing the teams that they need to lose if they weren't to win, and, and it just didn't look good. So the day actually started out decent for Miami. They got they started getting pressure on Josh Allen. He was really erratic. He threw a bad interception picked off by Byron Jones, and Miami turned that into a 49-yard field goal, 3-0. But after this big stop, the Miami offense never got on track the whole day. We saw it. Tua played against Vegas uh, a week ago Saturday, and he couldn't do it. And they had to turn to Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he was the heroics. He was the heroic man to come in and get the win. He had tested positive for COVID-19, so he was unavailable. So it was on the rookie to deliver in this big must-win game for the Dolphins. And he just isn't ready for it. Um, He gets sacked five times in this game, just holding on to the ball too long, not realizing – not picking up blitzes. Uh, the Miami defense continues to play well. Um, they put pressure, but the, the levy broke uh, about midway through the second quarter where Josh Allen, um, they a great punt from, um, from Borquez, the Buffalo pinned Miami back at their one, got a punt, great field position. They go on to drive, and which leads to a seven-yard touchdown reception by Isaiah McKenzie. Then Dolphins three and out. They didn't generate anything. Um, and it leads to another touchdown for Isaiah McKenzie, 14-3. And it's just, um, it's a string of just pattern of they don't, Tua's just not confident. The running game wasn't going well. And their defense started to become Swiss cheese because another three and out right before the half. And Isaiah McKenzie, who had two receiving touchdowns already, took back a punt return, 81 yards for a score. And that just, it killed Miami. 21-6 at the half, and they never really rebounded. Uh, Josh Allen didn't play the rest of the game. Uh, he, yeah, he, he only played a half. Matt Barkley came in and played the rest of the game. But in the, in the second half, Tua Tagovailoa was intercepted three times. One was taken back by Josh Norman for a pick six. And it was just a bad day for for the Miami Dolphins and co. They couldn't get they couldn't get on track. And it's tough because I'm going to mention the other games, but just to spoil it now, they, they missed the playoffs. Uh, the other teams that they needed to lose that they lost didn't. They won. They handled their business. And, you know, Miami finishes 10 and 6, and that's, that's not a bad season. You know, the Washington football team won the NFC East at 7 and 9. So just to juxtapose that, but it's tough pill to swallow being that close to making the playoffs. And, you know, they have some decisions to make. I'm not going to write off Tua right away. You know, me and Adam kind of had a little debate about this last week where he's like, Tua is not the man. Well, one year does not define a career. Um, You know, Carson Wentz had one really great season. And since then he's been, hasn't been the same player. I look at Troy Aikman. I mean, I'm, I'm going to mention Hall of Famers, and I realize that. But Troy Aikman, Peyton Manning, 
they were terrible in their first year in the NFL. You know, if, if a team said, okay, well, these guys are no good. I'm moving on. Where, where, how would their careers have gone? Teams have to have patience. And I don't think teams do it enough anymore. They, they give up on players before they realize their full potential. And I think Miami is a team that has done that, you know, with the likes of Ryan Tannehill trading Jarvis Landry, the Browns, who's had great success there. They need to hold on to these prized possessions because they drafted two of fifth. You need to give them more than half a season of a look. And they also, they need to move on from Ryan Fitzpatrick. To figure out if Tua's your guy, you need to remove Fitzpatrick because he's always going to be looking you know, over his shoulder at Fitzpatrick. Maybe Ryan will retire. He's talked about that. I think he's played this year, played well this year. I think he can get a job easily with some of the backup quarterbacks that are just terrible in the NFL right now. So, and also for the Dolphins, they have the third overall pick in the draft. And it's not because they finished 10 and six, you know, they're going to have a, another pick in the mid teens. They traded a uh, former first round pick Laramie Tunsil to the Houston Texans. Now this was two years ago. Uh, yeah. This was two years ago during the rebuild and they traded Tunsil to Houston. They got a lot of picks from Houston in that trade. They also traded Kenny Stills there. So they have a lot of draft picks built up, but Houston this year was such a disaster that they finished with the third worst record. So Miami has their first round pick this year and it is the third overall pick in the draft. Now, normally you could say, well, they could take another quarterback, which they could, they, they could take a quarterback. I, I don't recommend it. I don't think it's the right move for the franchise long-term to draft a quarterback right now, but I would, me personally, I draft Patrick Sertain the third from Alabama, the corner. They got two good corners right now, but I think he's such a he's such a good player that he's you can't really miss on him. Um, and he, the way he's looked, the way he looked against uh, against Notre Dame, he's just just a phenomenal player. But so the Dolphins, you know, they got some they got some key key things to figure out here. A, a long, a tough season, but. Still success after having five wins the year before to add five more onto your resume. Uh, you know, applause to the Miami Dolphins on a good season. And with the Bills, they win. So they clinch uh, the second seed in the AFC. Kansas City is the, the top seed. They'll get a bye next week in the Super Wild Card weekend. But um, Bills, the, if, they, if they win their games and play Kansas City, they'll have two playoff games. And uh, Buffalo recently announced that they're going to allow the, uh, the Bills to have fans, limited capacity, I think close to 7,500 fans, something along those lines. So um, Bills Mafia, the little bit that they can have in there, will be able to celebrate Saturday when they play their first playoff game at home in over 20 years. So good things are happening in Buffalo. They're the biggest threat to Kansas City in my eyes, and it's not even close. Um, so they're a team to watch. They're a lot of fun. Sony with Stefan Diggs, a phenomenal season for him. Uh, you know, John Brown getting healthy, Cole Beasley, you know, they're, they're, they're a team to watch and a real threat. Um, moving on in the, uh, AFC, I'll talk, you know, I won't touch, talk, uh, touch, my, eh, touch much on, um, the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. They beat, uh, 
They beat Cincinnati 38 to three. They just mauled them. Um, it was a, uh, yeah, Lamar ran for over hundred yards. The team ran for 403 yards as a team for the game. Um, Lamar uh, only threw 11 passes, but they've won six straight. I got to give them credit. They've had a weak schedule down the stretch, but you can only beat who's on your schedule. So they, you know, they've beaten the Cincinnati, the Giants. They had that great game against Cleveland on Monday Night Football. So they've handled their business here. They come into the playoffs and as the fifth seed in the AFC, and they, they look like a, a dominant team ready to uh, take the next, next step here. Um, and impressive win by them. We also saw the Cleveland Browns beat Pittsburgh. I mentioned Big Ben did not play. Cleveland clinches a playoff berth for the first time since 2002. Just a really euphoric moment for that for that franchise. You know, Baker Mayfield picks up a third down, third down and one. He keeps the ball, runs, gets two yards, seals the win. And you could feel it. He was so fired up after the game. The team really excited. You know, Kevin Stefanski, first year head coach, gets this franchise to the playoffs and probably um, seals him coach of the year, maybe. I think it's hard not to give it to him just with the way that franchise has been ran for so long, just with ineptitude. I, I, I wouldn't be mad if he won it. You know, he's worked his ass off and uh, he's got a good team there. But with the, with the wind, Browns clinch, Steelers lost. So they, they're the three seed and that's actually going to be a playoff matchup. So it'll be uh Browns at Steelers this week. It was Steelers at Browns. So next week, Big Ben will be back in. But a rematch will be the third matchup of the season between these two teams. The first one was just a a mauling by the Steelers, thirty-eight to six. But that was really that was before they hit the skids. Big Ben's only had really one good game in the second half of the season, uh, beating uh, Indianapolis uh, two weeks ago. So third matchup, division game. I'm not going to complain about. I'm not going to complain about that in the playoffs. I think it should be good. Um, I'll talk about the games later in the week um, with my predictions and things like that. But good news for for Cleveland making the playoffs. Good on them. And you know, obviously they got Pittsburgh in front of them. So teams playing each other back to back weeks. I think that'll be a physical game with some chippiness. Obviously with the two division foes going head to head. So that. Baltimore fifth seed, sixth seed goes to um, the Cleveland Browns. And then the seventh seed was locked up by the Annapolis Colts. They beat the Jaguars 28-14. Jonathan Taylor had a huge day, ran for 251 yards, the rookie out of uh, Wisconsin. He's really becoming a beast uh, for the Colts. And uh, he kind of had a tough start to the year, not gaining a lot of yards, some fumble issues. The back half of the season, he's been phenomenal. And you know, 253 yards on the ground. I mean, that's that's just so impressive. And Colts beat the Jaguars 28-14. Indian uh, Philip Rivers uh, signed a one-year deal with Indianapolis. Uh, I think I think this weekend, if they lose the Bills, it'll be his last game. He signed a one-year deal. Uh, it's also reported that he wants to his son starting high school football, and he wants to coach him. So we could see Philip Rivers on an NFL field for the last time this coming weekend. So, uh, but good, good on the Colts. You know, they they took a chance with Philip Rivers. He left the the Chargers organization after so many years, 
and they've gotten to the playoffs. So uh, the Colts make it as well. Uh, so just to run through the AFC playoff games, we got Buffalo or Indianapolis at Buffalo, Cleveland at Pittsburgh, and then Baltimore at Tennessee. Tennessee clinched the uh, AFC South and the four seed in a crazy game with the Houston Texans. Uh, Deshaun Watson, who was hobbled all day, but just had an unbelievable performance. He's had a great season behind a really bad team in front of him. But uh, uh, great Derrick Henry ran for 250 yards and became the eighth player in NFL history to rush for over 2,000 yards in, in a season. He's just a freight train. And um, they're, they're going to play Baltimore, who they played last year in the AFC Divisional Playoff game. So last year it was in Baltimore. This year it will be in Tennessee. But it'll be interesting to see if Baltimore can make any adjustments. The key for Baltimore in that game is to not fall behind early because then they can't run the ball. They need to be able to run the ball the entire game and they'll have a chance to win the whole game. Also, Tennessee's defense is not what it was last year. It's really struggling. They've had, they, they got this year, they've uh, Tennessee Titans are a playoff team, but they have the least amount of sacks in the history of the NFL coming from a playoff team. So they don't get pressure on the quarterback and Lamar can just break outside anytime he wants. And, you know, scramble for 20 yards. So it's going to be interesting to see what Mike Vrabel can do to make life tough for Lamar Jackson this coming weekend. But uh, yeah, they Tennessee wins on a doink field goal. Uh, it goes right off the right upright and bounces in. They can get the Cody Parkey bounce like the, the Bears got a couple of years ago. But so that's, that's the AFC. You know, those, those are the teams in. Kansas City obviously will be idle. They'll be, um, you know, chilling, putting their feet up while watching uh, to see who they'll be playing a week, a week from uh, Saturday. Now going to the NFC. I'll start with the NFC East uh, just because it was so interesting yesterday. First game, Dallas at the Giants. And it's the winner. The winner of that game would make the playoffs if the Washington football team lost. So winner of Giants Cowboys make the playoffs if Washington loses. And it started off as a disaster of a day for the Dallas Cowboys. Andy Dalton was three for his first eight passes for 18 yards. They weren't generating anything. However, the only thing keeping the Cowboys in the game was just the Giants. Two fumbles, a fumble by Wayne Gallman recovered by Dallas, which was turned into a touchdown. And then Daniel Jones got intercepted and that got turned into 10 points that turned into three points. So 10 points off turnovers for the day for the, for the Cowboys, but something the giants did all day very well was get pressure on the quarterback. Leonard Williams had two and a half sacks. Kyler Fackrell brought down Andy Dalton and he was getting banged up. You know, Leonard Williams accidentally stepped on his hand and he was really, favoring it his left hand is non-throwing in the whole day um, and uh, for the Giants Sterling Shepard stepped up he had a rush and receiving touchdown in the first half and it was 13-6 Giants at the half and they had really all the momentum but then it shifted Cowboys defense starting get started getting to Daniel Jones and they could they couldn't do anything uh, Cowboys got the ball start the second half they got a 57-yard field goal, which cut the lead to 20 to nine. Uh, 
I mentioned Jones got intercepted 20 to 16. So then Andy Dalton started to find his rhythm. He's firing passes to people. They go on a 13 play, six minute drive. Giants get a stop, make it 20 to 19. Now this is where the game really shifted. The Mike McCarthy has been criticized all year for poor coaching. And today it was a hundred percent valid. The Giants are on a drive. They're on third down. And Daniel Jones airs one out to Dante Pettis. He reaches out and it looks like he made the catch at first glance. Now he didn't. The ball moved under him, but they stopped him on fourth down, but they were in field goal range. So the Giants rushed to get to the line and Mike McCarthy did not challenge the call. So Graham Gano kicks in a 50 yard field goal. You know, he's money. He's only missed one field goal all year. But here's the big thing. I hate video replay. I think coaches should, I think refs should make the right call. However, there's the video replay in the game. I'm not immune to it. So if you have it, use it. He didn't use it. So 23 to 19, this would have shifted the game because if, if that catches, if they would have challenged it, they would have changed it to incomplete pass and the giants would have had to punt the ball. With, with, the, has, with the yards that he gained, he got into field goal range. If, he, if it's incomplete, they punt. The Cowboys got the ball with three and a half minutes left, and they drove down the field. And they were inside the Giants' 20, and Greg Zerline was four for four for the day. He was not missing a field goal. But the drive completely shifts because you, you have to score a touchdown. You're down four. And if it's 20 to 19 – you can run the ball. You can do what they did on the drive, but kick a field goal and have a walk-off field goal and win the game. Yet they couldn't do that because of Mike McCarthy. He didn't challenge the play, and it cost his team because they go on a long drive. They get down to the red zone again like they have all day, but the Giants get pressure on Dalton. He throws a red zone interception, and that was really ball game. You know, on the second-to-last play – Wayne Goldman looked like he had fumbled, but he recovered in the pile. So that was a, a sigh of relief for the, for the Giants. This is just another failed opportunity by the Dallas Cowboys. And the night game really didn't matter. Washington won, so it didn't matter that much in the long run. But it does matter in the grand scheme of what the hell are you doing coaching? Like, what, what are your spotters doing? You need to look at your organization and say, we can do better than this. And they failed so, so openly there that they didn't, they didn't do the common thing. They didn't do the right thing. And it's just a really poor, poor, poor coaching, just poor management by Mike McCarthy and, and the Dallas Cowboys organization. So the giants win 23, 19. Now they're in, and they know this, if the Washington football team loses. So Sunday night football, Alex Smith returning for Washington, coming off a calf injury, obviously the 17 surgeries and everything that's gone on with it. He starts off well, gets a touchdown on the opening drive and a field goal after, after an interception. But for the, for the half, Jalen Hurts found some success going on long drives. He had two rushing touchdowns in the first half. And then the Giants, uh, sorry, the uh, football team scored a, a uh, late touchdown to Logan Thomas to end the first half. So 17-14. For, uh, in the second half, it was weird. The, the Eagles almost looked like they wanted to screw the Giants because 
they took Jalen Hurts out of the game after his first possession. I don't think he was hurt because he was running around on the sideline. He didn't look particularly pleased. They put Nate Sudfeld in because Carson Wentz didn't even dress. And it was really strange. The John, uh, the football team, neither team had a great game. The football team won 20 to 14, which uh, got them to the division title. But it was strange from the Eagles why Jalen Hurts, though Nate Sudfeld is not the answer long-term. He's the third-string quarterback. He's been inactive a lot all year. And I don't know if they just didn't want the Giants to make the playoffs, but it almost seemed that way, that they'd rather have Washington make it over the Giants or they were just tanking for a better draft pick. I don't know. But it was really strange. And they mentioned on the telecast and a lot of analysts on Twitter, like Dan Orlovsky said, you know, you this kind of took a competition out of football tonight and it was flat out embarrassing. And it was, I, I didn't understand it. And to me, Doug, if this was Doug Peterson's decision, I would evaluate it as a GM and owner as what the hell are you doing? Like you're playing a division opponent. Why help the Washington? Like you should hate them just as much as you hate the giants. They're in your division. They're making the playoffs over you. Why are you doing them a favor? And anyway, the, the Eagles threw the game away. I think they could have won it because they, you know, Jalen Hurts, Alex Smith came back and he gave it his all. I'm going to give him a, I love him, you know, coming back in his story. But they're going to be playing Tampa Bay next week. That's Saturday, Saturday night, the 9-15 game on NBC. I'm, I'm worried about Alex Smith. I'm really worried. He can't move anymore, just with his all the injury, his leg and everything. And Tampa Bay Bucks has some really, really good pass rushers, and Shaq Barrett, JPP, Adamic and Sue, they can get to him, and he could really be hurt in this game. And I'm just worried about his health long term. I, I don't think Washington has a chance in hell of winning the game. I'm just more worried about how he will hold up playing against these this type of competition where their, their only goal is to hit him as hard as they can. So I'm hoping, I'm, I'm praying for Alex Smith that he can come out of that game healthy. Like I said, I don't think they'll have a chance in hell of winning it. But you know, Washington wins the division at 7-9. Uh, Alex Smith, going to be comeback player of the year. Ron Rivera survived the year after having cancer. You know, he they're an inspiring team, and, and it's good to see two two guys who deserve it make the playoffs. So, so credit to them and uh, you know, they're in the playoffs and they'll be uh, hosting Tampa Bay um, Saturday. Also NFC started off Tampa Bay knew they were going to be the fifth seed before the day started. They were locked in there. Um, but after that coming into the game, the sixth seed were the Rams followed by the Bears, seven seed, eight seed, Arizona. Seven teams make it. The Rams had a couple different options. If they beat Arizona, they're in the playoffs. If they lose to Arizona and the Bears and the Bears lose, they're still in the playoffs. But really, best case scenario, win the game and you're in. So I'll start off Rams, Arizona, division game to end the season. First quarter, Kyler Murray rolls his ankle. His ankle has been bothering him all week. He was kind of a he was a game time decision if he was going to play, but he was hurt early, really couldn't move on it. And 
He threw a lot in the second and third quarters, but he didn't play until later in the fourth. So former Winnipeg Blue Bomber Chris Streveler was thrown into action, had limited success for Arizona. He actually threw an 82-yard pick six to Troy Hill, which was a killer at the end of the second quarter, but they really didn't generate anything. Um, Also, John Welford started for the Rams. Uh, Jared Goff has a broken thumb. He's... um, you know, he, he's out to John Welford, made his first career NFL start, had never taken a snap. And, you know, he had a mixed bag game. He threw an interception early in the first quarter, but he kind of settled in after that. He didn't turn the ball over again, which is the most important thing you can do as a young quarterback with limited experience, protect the football. He was also a run pass option. He ran for over 50 yards. He scrambled a lot and he was efficient enough to give the Rams a chance and their defense was fantastic. You know, Aaron Donald just blowing up people. Uh, just the way that the Rams defense can play Jalen Ramsey and DeAndre Hopkins was a matchup to watch all day. And Jalen Ramsey's just proving why if he's not the top corner, he's rigged up there with Xavier Howard and, you know, the likes of those two. They're, they're both fantastic talents. But Kyler Murray came back in the fourth quarter. Wasn't the same because he really couldn't move. So he just said that he was throwing a lot off his back foot. And the Rams only scored 18 points, but they only allowed seven. They win. They clinch the sixth seed. John Welford wins his first career NFL start. And it looks, you know, Jared Goff likely will be able to play this weekend. It's not a guarantee, but good chance. Cooper Cup was on the reserve COVID list. He should be eligible to come off this week. And their left tackle, really one of the more important players on the team, Andrew Whitworth, the, the veteran has been out for a couple weeks. He should be due back to play. So they're going to have reinforcements. They're going to be playing the third third seed Seattle Seahawks who beat San Francisco yesterday. It's going to be another division game um, in Seattle. No 12th man. Um, obviously, no, <coughs> excuse me, with no fans, uh, it completely shifts. You know, Seattle is one of the toughest buildings to play in, in the NFL. And um, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I think the Rams have a much better chance because there's no home crowd. And also Seattle's offense has just not been good all year. Really since the midway point or a little before Russell Wilson hasn't been great. Uh, their, their defense has really stepped up for them. Uh, so that, that gives them a chance, but that's, that's a pick on their uh, division game in Seattle. Uh, who knows who will come out of that one, both teams, really inconsistent. So one team's got to win, but I'll talk about that later in the week. Um, then there's Green Bay, Chicago. So this game starts off important for the Bears. It became irrelevant when Arizona lost. Arizona had to win to make the playoffs. So the Bears during this game, the games are having, happening uh, simultaneously. So Chicago didn't know, but with the Arizona loss, the Bears secured a playoff spot. But they, they played very well, had a couple of long drives. Um, first half, Aaron Rodgers was dealing, throwing three touchdown passes to three different receivers and Robert Tanyan, Marcos Valdez-Scantling, and Dominique Daphne. And he, they had a 21-13 lead at the half. But they had two, two long drives, one six-minute drive, ending in a field goal, which made it 21-16, and another almost eight-minute drive, that led into the fourth quarter, which became a turnover on downs. And this is when Green Bay's offense 
found themselves again. Uh, Aaron Jones ran one in, and then Devontae Adams caught his 18th touchdown of the season with about three minutes left. It was just, like I said, his 18th, which tied uh, Sterling Sharp for the record for most by a, a Green Bay receiver in one in a single season. And with the win, Green Bay clinched the number one seed, so they'll have a bye next week. Uh, like Kansas City, they'll be idle, and the NFC will go through Green Bay. So the frozen tundra, not an easy place to play when it's January and cold. So that that bodes well for Aaron Rodgers and co. He's never had home field throughout his years uh, as a starter. When he won the Super Bowl in 2010, he was a wildcard team. He had to win three straight road games and won the Super Bowl, obviously, on a neutral site. But uh, interesting to see uh, – what will happen there? Um, obviously, the Bears lose, but with uh, Arizona losing, the Bears still make the playoffs. And, you know, they played Green Bay hard, and I think it's a positive thing for them. Uh, they didn't win, obviously, they lost 35-16, but the game was closer than that. So kudos to them for playing a tough team. And they're going to play New Orleans next weekend. It'll be a Sunday game at uh, 5.30. So, They'll be at New Orleans. Again, New Orleans with limited crowd, they're another team that's really hard to play against uh, when there's fans and it's loud. So we'll see We'll see what happens with New Orleans. They won yes against Carolina, but uh, with the Sunday game, Alvin Kamara tested positive for COVID. So he sh- he'll be eligible to return. If the game was on Saturday because of how many days you have to be on the list, he would be in- ineligible. But Sunday, the Sunday game, Sunday afternoon, Alvin Kamara should be back for New Orleans. They should get Michael Thomas back, who's been out the last three weeks. Uh, Latavius Murray, who couldn't play yesterday. So they'll be back to full throttle. But you never know what the pesky Bears, you know, Mitchell Trubisky behind center, and their defense, um, if it can keep them close, who knows how that plays out. So that, that could be another another close game. Um. So, yeah, it, it was a, a great day of football. Um, a lot of tight games came every game. A lot, like I said, a lot of the games had a lot of meaning. Um, and just to run through it, we got Kansas City Idol. I'll go through it again. Uh, Saturday, the day starts off, 2 o'clock game, Indianapolis at Buffalo. That game's on CBS. 5.30, game on Fox. Uh, Rams at Seattle. And then the day finishes 9-15, uh, Tampa Bay at Washington football team. Then Sunday, another three-pack of games. Starts off with um, – with um, who starts it? Oh, Tennessee-Baltimore, sorry, on, uh, on ESPN. So t- uh, Baltimore at Tennessee at 2 o'clock, 5.30 – we got the uh, the NFC game between between the the Bears and New Orleans. And the day finishes off Sunday Night Football, NFC, uh, NBC, sorry, uh, between uh, Steelers and Browns. So we should see some good football upcoming, uh, some tight games, I'm sure. And you know. The NFC is really the tougher division, the tougher conference for me to predict. I don't see there are a lot, there's not a lot of great teams there. Um, my dark horse Super Bowl really is Tampa Bay. Um, I think they're clicking at the right time here. 
they're playing good football. So if I had to pick one that I have the most confidence in as a wildcard team, it would definitely be Tampa Bay. I think Brady's playing good football. He's starting to click with Antonio Brown, Gronk. Uh, Mike Evans was hurt yesterday, but hopefully he'll be good to go. Chris Godwin's been playing well. And they just seem to have found that gel here later in the season when it's important to. And for my kind of sleeper Super Bowl pick in the AFC is for wildcard teams. I have to say Baltimore, just the way they're playing right now. Um, come, like I said, I, I like teams that come into the playoffs hot and they've definitely been one of those teams. If they can give against Tennessee, they need to keep the score at least tight or get a lead so that they can run the football the whole day. If they're a team that's behind, they won't win because Lamar can't throw them out of it. I mean, he threw 11 passes yesterday. He, he only had to throw 11, but if you can get, if you get behind, then you're in trouble because then he has to throw a ton. You, you leave your run game, you leave what's gotten you to the dance and it can, it can lead to bad things, bad things for Baltimore. But Later in the week, I'll be talking more and more about these matchups. I believe Thursday I'll be doing a show with uh, Ben Murray, who I ha- who I talked to a few weeks ago. We'll be previewing the uh, the games for the weekend. Um, also, I I plan on doing uh, me and Seamus will be doing our show tomorrow night. We'll be starting our coverage of Your Honor, which is a show on HBO, but you can stream it on Crave. So watch that and um, keep up with me and Seamus and. Uh, Tell us what you think of the episode, what you think of the show, uh, obviously starting Brian Cranston. Wednesday, I will do a show uh, Wednesday night about the World Juniors. Obviously, the gold medal game and bronze medal game will be Tuesday, but I'll be doing one Wednesday night after work, talking about uh, the winner of the tournament, the tournament as a whole, and just moving forward toward the uh, NHL season. And then this weekend, um, I'm going to be starting – uh, coverage of the NHL talking about East division, breaking down, um, breaking down the teams in it, where I see them finishing things of that nature. So, uh, I also kind of want to do a show about, uh, Zidane Chara and departure there in the future of the Boston Bruins. So that might be upcoming too. So a lot of things happening here to the point, um, you know, keep your eyes open Watch out, you know, keep your Apple podcast, subscribe so that um, every time I drop a new episode, it automatically downloads on your phone. Then you can just click it and listen on the go whenever, whenever you have free time. But um, yeah, a lot of fun sports, obviously football turning into the playoffs. So only a few weeks left of football coverage, which is always sad for me, but I'll be diving more into the NHL and into the NBA. Also, uh, Major League Baseball, the offseason has been as slow as a turtle, but we'll see what happens here with, with the likes of the Toronto Blue Jays and uh, New York Yankees with DJ LeMahieu. So a lot of coverage coming. Um, I love the support. Um, just um, just let me know what you think of the podcast in the comments, things of that nature. But um, I'll be back with Seamus tomorrow. But uh, until then, have a great day and we'll talk soon.